We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky coming to you from the cool environs of Northfield, Minnesota. <laughs> Don't rub it in, John. <laughs> this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you as always from beautiful yet hot and sticky South St. Louis, where I serve at Ascension Lutheran Church. Yep, that that used to be my life too, Matt. When I was uh, working full time, you're stuck wherever you're at. But now we, we're wanderlusts. We can travel up north to get cool. We can go back south if we get too cold up here, which, which we will. Trust me, you don't want to stay in Northfield beyond October, because then you're not worried about the heat. You're worried about the negative twenty degree weather. But we have started here because we 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 couldn't even get finished last week because you had so many good things you were telling us. So we want to wrap that up, and then then I've got some new stuff to share with people. But review with us real quickly, Matt, what it was we were talking about last week. And we were on a roll last yeah. week, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so for our listeners. Yeah, Matt, was, uh, Matt was ready to sing a country-western song, and I know everyone is on the edge of their seat because we don't get to hear you sing often, but we run out of time. I but, know, I know. I had my washboard out and my banjo. I was ready to go. <laughs> And well, then time ended. You know, it John was and worth I, the, yeah, it was yeah. worth the wait, Matt. We're all <laughs> well, excited. I now. sure hope yeah. so. Yeah. But we were we were talking about, you know, off program, off the air. We were talking about how in sermons and preaching as pastors, we're used to just being able to kind of go on and on as long as we want, right? Unless someone gets out the the, the hook and pulls us off <laughs> out of the pulpit, we can keep on going. Uh, but on radio, no, it is a strict 24 minutes. So uh, anyway, we are going to continue this week what we didn't get to end last week. Uh, we are looking at the, the armor of God and specifically Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, and we looked, spent some time looking at that very first piece of armor that Paul invites us to put on. So, John, if you don't mind, could you just read briefly those verses again from chapter 6, verses 10 through um, the first part of verse 14? All right, so again, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, have fastened on the belt of truth. All right. Thank you. So Paul pretty clearly spells out for us who our enemy primarily is. Because if you're wearing armor, someone's got to be attacking you, right? Or else there's no other reason to wear armor. So the spiritual armor that we're putting on has ultimately a spiritual enemy who's the reason why we're wearing it. And that's, that's Satan, right? The one who deceives, the one who lies, the one who spreads falsehoods, the accuser, Pick your, pick your name for Satan. He's a liar, right? Um, so that is why we wear this armor. And the very first piece of armor that Paul invites us to put on is the belt of truth. So right. the best defense against a liar is 
truth. And so then we talked about last week a little bit about, okay, well, what is that truth? Well, that truth is, well, God's word and the Holy Scriptures. Uh, that's certainly true. We could be confident of that. We should be in God's word on a regular basis, and whether it's through radio shows like Wrestling with the Basics or other programming on KFU, our own study of God's word, uh, devotional readings, whatever that might look like. But then that other truth is Christ himself, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, the one that the scriptures point us to. Uh, so put on Christ, right? And we think of our, even our baptism, we put on Christ. Um, so that belt of truth. So as we're putting on that belt of truth, though, it's interesting. Matt, Matt yeah, go ahead, I, John. Can I, can I interrupt yeah, you before we yeah. get into the country western song? I, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to point out how important it is what you just said about the truth. Yeah. Christ is the truth. Because yeah. everybody claims the truth of the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. You, you yep. can have totally opposing views on abortion or homosexuality, for example, and yet both sides will claim, claim they have the truth of the Bible. Uh, Mormons believe in the truth of the Bible. The Jews would claim at least the Old Testament is the truth of the Bible. Uh, but of course, when we speak about the truth of the Bible, we're talking about how the Bible reveals to us Jesus Christ. He is the truth. And as we get into this, we'll see that, right? Because this whole business, this armor will be fleshed out and you'll see it's all about faith. It's all about Christ. So I just wanted to throw that, that comment in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So th this truth is the one who is truth, right? Yeah. The truth yeah. in flesh and blood, Jesus Christ. Uh, and and, and Jesus claims every word in the Old Testament and New Testament as being his word. Yes. Yeah, that's what makes the truth, because it's the words of Jesus, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in addition to that, Paul talks about standing. So he talks about withstanding yes. and, and standing firm and even stand therefore having felt on put on the belt of truth. So and, and, uh, in fact, Matt, I, I wish people could actually see this in the original Greek text because the same word is used three times within just a mm -hmm, few mm -hmm. few words. And in fact, the one sentence ends with it and the next sentence begins with it. So obviously this is a big thing that Paul wants a big point. Yeah. And, and what sure. is that point, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you can't defend very well against an enemy if you're sitting down. <laughs> Right? Ah, you you got to okay. be standing, right? So, I mean, just physically, you need to be standing when we have that picture in our mind. So stand firm. Uh, and then that got me thinking about a country music song. So here we go. Uh, here so, we go. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the early 90s, kind of in a Hank Williams senior style, um, Aaron Tipton is the artist. He had this, this song that uh, where he sings, you've got to stand for something or you'll ah. fall for anything. And I, I think that is partially what Paul's telling us here is you got to stand for something. You got to stand for the truth. You got to put on the belt of truth and be clothed with the one who is truth, Jesus Christ. You got to stand for something or you'll fall for the lies of the devil, right? You're going to fall for his deceptions. And there's so many. Uh, in other words, as Paul puts it again, stand firm, stand therefore, having fell fastened on the belt of truth. So you got to stand for something. And, and here today, Paul helps us see what that something is. It's the belt of truth, the truth of God's word, and that truth of God's word that's centered on the one who is the truth, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Uh, so I just wanted to get that in, John. Thank you. So maybe uh, maybe the next time our listeners hear that song, uh, they'll be thinking of the belt of truth and Paul's admonition to stand, to stand firm.
and 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 to uh, uh, talk about how the Holy Spirit works in mysterious ways. So it just so happens, Matt, that Lynn and I have been doing our daily Bible study from the second book of Chronicles. Uh, and we just finished dealing with the story of the great King Jehoshaphat. Sure. And I, I find it interesting. Uh, just this is funny. The Lord dovetails things because in that story, Jehoshaphat, his kingdom is surrounded by uh, Ammonites and Moabites and, and Syrians. And it looks like a desperate situation. And this is the advice that he gives his people. After having prayed to the Lord, he says to his people, you will need not to fight in this battle. Stand firm. All right. So the exact same words that Paul uses here in Ephesians, stand firm, he says, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Uh, and so I thought, so maybe Paul, you know, Paul's a great Old Testament scholar. Maybe he was thinking of, of uh, that and other statements from the Old Testament. Uh, and I do think it's interesting too, Matt, that we be not with a weapon, but as you said last week, with something of defense. Yeah. Because um, ultimately, the, yes. the truth will 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 the, the truth will win out, and, and not necessarily because of us. Because as you mentioned last week too, we we can be liars as well. <laughs> Yeah. But it will win out because of God. Yeah. So all we need to yeah. do is just stand in that truth, like just like you said. Yeah, I mean the devil. When you think about it, that that evil foe, that liar, he's already been defeated, right, at yeah. the cross, yeah. and especially the open, the open, empty tomb, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. But yet, yet we still have to be on defense, on guard against him, and stand firm because he still is prowling around like that sneaky, roaring lion, seeking to still devour us. You know, in, in that light, can I can I share with you something that I, I've been reading? Yeah, this actually yeah. kind of segues nicely. Um, so I've been reading a book by a gal named of uh, Sarah Rudin, okay? Uh, and the name of the book is The Face of Water. Doesn't that sound like a good title? The, the Face the of Water. The Face of Water, yeah. Now, this wasn't published by CPH, <laughs> so <laughs> we're not making any money off of this deal. We're not giving any away. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not giving any away. I paid. For it. If you want one, you can get your own. Um, <laughs> so, and, and you know, here's the other thing. Uh, see what? What? Honestly, what's nice when you recommend a book from CPH? Uh, these things all go through doctrinal review. Uh, in fact, I'm actually one of the doctrinal reviewers. I, I get these assignments on occasion, although that should probably solve you. <laughs> Shouldn't that scare you? That they. <laughs> Yeah, that they don't usually give me anything important. I should point that out. But uh, so 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 anyway, when when we recommend a book from CPH, uh, you and I, we, we don't have to worry about it at all. We, we know that that's been looked over and examined. There were questionable things that they've been talked about and dealt with. Um, and of course, when when I recommend Sarah Rudin. Um, yeah, there may be things in here that people are going to disagree with. Well, heck, I, I probably disagree with them too. Um, the other thing I would warn you about Sarah Rudin is she's actually a, a classical Greek translator. That's that's vocation. That's what she does mm -hmm. for a living. And so she uses words like protean and aporia and antitrophy. And that last word, I don't even know what it means, and I'm not even sure if I pronounced it correctly. Um, so she's a Greek scholar, all right? So okay. it, it's not necessarily going to be easy reading. But here's what I really like about her. 
Uh, she comes from a totally different tradition. Uh, she is a Quaker. Uh, and, and you got to love their oats. No matter what else you'd say about the Quakers, they <laughs> got the best the, oats. They've been what around we, for a while. They must they be doing some, something right <laughs> their right. oats. And I, if there's any Quakers listeners, please, we're just having fun, okay? Don't mean that as an insulting one. Because if you're a Quaker, Sarah Rudin is probably a good a good uh, uh, representative for your, your faith. Um, but see, here's why I, I, I'd like this to a book that's coming from another tradition. Um, because Matt, we've, we've come out in the open. What are we? What are we? What are we, Matt? <laughs> we are Lutheran. There's no we hiding are, any longer. Uh, yeah. And, and even more so we, we are conservative Lutherans, Lutheran church, Missouri Synod, you know? Um, and so when we come to the Bible, we're, we're going to have our biases. Now let's go back to what you talked about last week. What was the thing you emphasized about the belt of truth? You just emphasized it again this this day, and and if you if it came up a month from now, you would make the same emphasis because you're a Lutheran. What did you emphasize about the the word truth? Yeah, so it's the the truth of God's word, but also the the truth who is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, and and so and 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 by the way. We believe that our, our our biases are true, right? <laughs> that, that's why they're they're our biases. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't believe them otherwise. There's a reason no. why I'm a Lutheran, and uh, yeah. it's because I I think we're you know by God's grace, power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we uh, believe the Bible is the Word of God, cover to cover, and uh, it's true. <laughs> And, and so again, see, it's spoken like a Lutheran, by the grace of God, by yeah. the Holy Spirit. See, <laughs> that's, right. that, that's again, that's. Uh, um, but so it's exciting then when, when you hear someone from a different tradition coming at the scripture. And again, remember, that wasn't her uh, uh, training originally. She, she was a classical Greek scholar, and she decided, I want to read the, the New Testament Greek, okay? Mm -hmm. And then she decided she wanted to read the Old Testament Hebrew. Uh, but what's exciting is so you read her and you find her saying all the kind of same things that we say. And see, then I feel good because I think, well, maybe it's not a bias then. Maybe it is simply what the word teaches, which, of course, is what we claim. Uh, yeah. So anyway, go ahead. That's pretty neat. So, yeah, just someone, a scholar, and I think we can call her a scholar, yeah. a scholar who reads the scriptures in its original language comes to similar conclusions <laughs> as we Lutherans do, you know, LCMS Lutherans. You know, I, I think that's, that is neat, you know, that the Holy Spirit is at work. And, you know, she may not even realize this is Lutheran-like doctrine that she's writing, and yet God's Word speaks for itself, and this is what she's come to see. Uh, so I think it's kind of cool. That's God's Word and the Holy Spirit at work. So I hadn't actually planned to talk about this, but it, it, it ties in really well with what uh, we, we had just mentioned about the Bible being the truth. Uh, and of course, uh, coming from her background and being educated at the university she's educated, she is well aware with, with Bible criticism, okay? She understands all the things that are said about the Bible to undermine the Bible. Uh, and, and, and she acknowledges, and I think we need to acknowledge that too. You know, there are a lot of traditions. She, she points out there's a Sumerian tradition uh, about a great leader. Who, who has to be put in the water and somehow he's is delivered and saved and becomes a great leader amongst the Sumerians. Sounds really similar to her. 
Moses, right? Okay. Are you still there, Matt? Yeah, you're going to. Yeah, I lost you for a second, but yeah. Okay. I'm here. Well, so, so anyway, so she acknowledges you can go to other religions and you can find similar stories and everything. But she says, isn't it interesting that the only book that still is around is the Bible? You know anybody that's really been reading the, the great Hmm. Uh, stories of Sumerian religion. You know anybody doing that? <laughs> no, nah, not that I know of. It's, the Bible has lasting power, right? I mean, when you think yeah, about yeah. that, how long has it been read and just shared orally? Oh my goodness, since the beginning of, of you know, since the beginning, really, you know, orally. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, so no, no, just the Bible, John. That's the only one I'm aware of. And, and so, so you know, we, we hear again about the creation myths. There's a lot of other religions mm-hmm, have creation mm-hmm. myths. Again, you're you're not uh, you know no one's no one's reading the only people that are reading those books, of course, are scholars like like Sarah Rudin. You know, uh, no one's got the big book of Babylonian myths at home. Oh, hey kids, let's gather around <laughs> here. Look look at this story from the Babylon. No, no. And, and she says, so what does that say to you? What does that say to you? That these other things just kind of disappeared from history. They, they only exist because there's a handful of obscure uh, documents. They make no impact upon the world today. And yet he, we, here we have the Bible, which, by the way, has the most obscure of beginnings. Uh, and, and see, I never thought about that. We, we think of Israel, the great nation of Israel, right? Because we read the Bible. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. she said, if you actually look at secular history, Israel was never any big deal. <laughs> yeah. Even, even at their peak, the, the only reason they ever had any kind of high moment with David and Solomon was because everybody else was in the Dark Ages at that point. <laughs> and after that, really, they pretty much went downhill, and they never counted for anything since then in terms of world history. You know? Isn't it you interesting? Right, yeah, go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. Yeah, because I mean, the, the, when we read the Bible, yeah, they're the center of the story, right? Because Christ is yeah. the center of the story. But yeah, in the grand scheme of the world, yeah, the, the Hebrews really don't amount to a whole lot. I mean, in terms of technology and, and learning, but yet they, they've got the most important thing. They've got the, the promise of the Messiah. So I just thought, what an interesting defense of the Bible to simply say, yeah. look, look at what's happened. You, you take this, and it was a very obscure book, a very obscure book, a very obscure religion, a very obscure nation. And now yet it literally affects everything in the world. Everybody kind of finds themselves in terms of the Bible, either for it or, or, or against it. Yeah, well, I think of even in the New Testament, um, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, the, the Pharisee Gamaliel, I think it was, that, well, we'll if, if this isn't from God, it'll just die out, right? This movement yes. called Christianity, the way. Uh, but if this is from God, well, there's nothing we can do to stop it. <laughs> and that's uh, that's what we see even with the Old Testament, too, that, boy, if, if, if this isn't from God, well, it'll peter out like these other fairy tales, these other myths of creation. But if it's from God... There's no stopping it. And, and here we are thousands of years later, still studying and learning and uh, immersed in, in God's word from the Old Testament. And, and, and Matt, thank you, man. That, that was the perfect Bible story. Thank you, because that's exactly the point. The truth is the thing that lasts. OK, yeah. Yeah. And, and this is and none of these other things. They may have similarities to the Bible, but none of those lasted, and yet the Holy Scriptures did. Um, can I share with you uh, just a little study that I did, Matt, and, and we'll probably double it next week, too. And, and I hope people don't mind that we kind of double things up between the armor of God and some other stuff. But I'd like to talk a little about, about sheep, lambs, and little lambs. Okay, okay yeah. 
I like good. Um, so let's let's talk about the Old Testament. Uh, and, and see, Sarah got me started on this. And, and when we get to the conclusion, I'll, I'll tell share you with you her insight. But she got me thinking about all the words the Bible uses for sheep and lambs and, and what have you. And I want to start with an Old Testament passage. Uh, and if you wouldn't mind reading Isaiah 53, uh, verses 6 and 7. This is a classic passage. Probably a lot of people know it by heart. And it's kind of the Old Testament foundation for what Jesus was all about. And it's interesting because it uses actually three different words for sheep. Okay. So okay. Uh, if you wouldn't mind reading it, Matt. Okay. So Isaiah 53, verses 6 and 7. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it goes on. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened out his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before the shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So we got three different references to sheep there. We've got a sheep that's gone astray. We've got the uh, lamb led to the slaughter. And then finally, we've got the sheep that is before its shears. Uh, and it's interesting that in the Hebrew, there's a different word for each and every one of those. Uh, for that first sheep, all we like sheep have gone astray. And I know I'm going to get Hebrew people gritting their teeth. I'm sorry. I'm not a Hebrew. I do not pronounce Hebrew well, but I believe that is pronounced uh, solon, solon. Okay, at least that's how my Bible program pro, pro, program pronounces it, and and it can mean any small cattle, could mm -hmm. be sheep, okay. could be goats, could be lambs. In fact, really the the focus of that word is that they're part of a flock, and I just like that. So literally, what it says, uh, all we like one of the flock have gone astray. Uh, we have turned every one, and that's kind of the point, isn't it? That it's not just my problem or your problem; it's everybody's problem, right? We're all yeah. part of the same sinful flock. We're just one of the flock, and we've all gone astray. Which, of course, when you talk about the one that goes astray, what what parable in the New Testament comes to mind right away, man? Yeah, so the the the, the hundred sheep, right? The ninety nine, and the one that goes astray. So I wondered if Jesus, when he said that parable, if he wasn't thinking of this very passage about the fact that we're one of the flock, and like all of the flock, at one point or the other, we go astray. We have this business about like a lamb that has led to the slaughter. And again, forgive me if I don't pronounce this right, but that's uh, say, say. So the first it's son, and this one is say. And again, it can be used of flocks. It can be used of sheep. It could be used of goats. It, it kind of fits any of those little mammals. I think guinea pigs. <laughs> I don't know if Bible passages about, about flocks of guinea pigs. Uh, but, but yeah, again, goats, lamb, uh, whatever. It's translated okay. lamb, though, Matt, I think here and elsewhere, because that was the... This is the animal that you had to use for the Passover. Passover, got yeah. it. Now, now it's used in other verses, but it is certainly the word they used in the Passover. And, and the and the Passover animal had to be a what? So it had to be some specific requirements. It had to be uh, a male lamb uh, without blemish, uh, one year old, right? And, and you know why the one year? I didn't know this before I did some study. You know why the one year requirement? So that's when the, and I've got some notes here too, John. Oh, okay, cool. The, cool. the lamb becomes a sheep, right? So it's yeah, after a yeah. year, that's kind of like, I guess, uh, you know, uh, at some point you're not considered a child or you're considered an adult, right? Or no longer a toddler, but a, a, a child. But you're no longer a lamb, you're a sheep after a year. So so once you were one year old, they, they would start cutting off your 
your fur. They would start uh, hooking you up with other sheep, <laughs> you know, to make babies. Uh, uh, so that's why it's translated lamb. That herd itself actually could mean lamb, sheep, or whatever. But but since it's associated with that Passover that, that mm-hmm. had to mm-hmm. be a lamb, uh, that's why it's translated lamb, lamb. But this last sheep, this last sheep, that's the really strange one. Because the Hebrew word there for that very last sheep is uh, uh, Rahel, Rahel, from which we get the name Rachel, okay? Okay. Uh, And that's actually a female sheep, okay? It's it's actually not just any sheep, but it has to be a a ewe. Mm -hmm. It would be a Mm -hmm. ewe uh, to get technical. Uh, And I'm wondering if that isn't because that's why it doesn't open its mouth. Because usually we think of the females being more docile. Maybe okay. a male sheep would fight. But uh, all right. Next week, we will share with you more about Old Testament sheep and New Testament sheep, and also share with you something really important about us who are also part of the flock. No, that's great. This yeah. Had, verses we're familiar with, but yeah, deeper insights into the different kinds of sheep. Three sheep just in two verses. That's great. Yeah. So this has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the, the Basics. basics.